It's time for faith and life to connect. I first go before God, working on who and what I am before Him and what He's calling me to be as a husband. Where our Christian walk meets our day-to-day life. Dealing with that baggage can mean anything from delaying the marriage to dealing with the baggage. For sure. And where it's okay to laugh a little. Meaningless days, I look at. <laughs> I'm looking at meaningless days and live happily with the woman you love, and I'm trying to figure out how they wind up in the same set. <laughs> We're not saying that the marriage is meaningless. Heaven forbid we say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. This is The Session with Tom Russell from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. What triggers your potential spouse? And that you guys both agree, yeah, they are triggers, and it is, as we grow, something we have to work through. But we're going to give you sort of the grace and space to do that. It is time for Faith and Life to Connect here on the New Rise FM from Bell Fountain to Mansfield, from Ashland to Kenton. We've got you covered this morning. <laughs> Hi, I'm Scott here with Tom from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. We affectionately call him the King of the Cranium. And uh, this is the session where we talk about. Uh, well, we try to talk about stuff that's important to families and yes. we talk about issues that are impacting Christian life. And with it being February, one of the things that we do is we we call it Love Month. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, partly because Tom has a very important day coming up. It's not his birthday. It's not his wife's birthday. It's... it's- uh, 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 oh, my anniversary. Oh, boy. What are we going to do with you? <laughs> so, yeah, in the in the next, uh, in fact, uh, in the next few days, you have one of those events coming up. That's right. On Tuesday. On Tuesday. On yeah. Valentine's Day, you have an anniversary. Yes. So this Tuesday, because what we're talking about in our family or in our marriage, the month of February is our month of celebration. Well, yeah. Yeah. And so that makes the month of March our month of bankruptcy. <laughs> that's kind of like, like october for my family yeah so we start with my birthday about 12 days later we have our anniversary and about 12 days later we have kathy's birthday <laughs> yeah so in january you get a second mortgage and in march you try and start paying it off how did you know yeah did they contact you <laughs> Uh, Kathy's been emailing me just like Sherry does you sometimes. <laughs> All right. So we're going to wrap up our conversation about marriage fundamentals according to Colossians 3 today. Right. And uh, we usually start with a passage of Scripture, but since we're talking about a chapter of Scripture in the context of the show, right. we're not going to do that. We're just going to dive right in. So we started last week by talking about how every marriage partner prepares themselves for marriage. And, we, you know, verses 5 through 10, really kind of going over how to rid yourself of things like anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language. Then we talked about putting on the new nature that is a, uh, the renewing of your mind in Scripture and kind of verses in 12 through 14. And we talked about clothing yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And then we move to number four, Tom, where we take a trip to the woods. Yes. We take a trip to the woods and we bear with each other. That's right. And we'll, we're talking Oh, come about- on. I gave you a perfectly good woods joke and you went right, <laughs> you blew right by it. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, boy. Yeah, I, I missed it. Do it again. We're going out and tripping the woods yeah. and we're going to bear each other. Oh, bear. Bear. Oh, don't oh. try this at home, kids. We're professionals. <laughs> I think it's a little foggy this morning, Scott. <laughs> Somehow. A chill, the chill of winter must have gotten to us. You'll have to bear, bear with me. Okay, bear with each other and we forgive could... one another. Forgive as you have been forgiven. You'll have to forgive me, Scott. <laughs> Please forgive me. Yeah. 
when we talk about forgiveness, forgiveness is such an important key in marriage. And I want to start from the fundamental of when we truly take a deep breath, step back and realize that we have been forgiven because we've asked our Father to forgive us of our sins because of what Jesus did. When we truly receive that, we really ought to be motivated to extend it. And, you know, some of the situations I think about in my life that are challenging to forgive, and I stop and think about what Jesus went through so that we could have forgiveness. Clearly, it's not going to be a walk in the park, but again, when we rely on his strength, our Father's in heaven's strength, not ours, we have a much better chance. We're doing it unto him, not because we deem this individual as worthy that we're going to forgive or we're going to let them off the hook. No, it's because our Father in heaven has called us to us and we want to be in his will. He's called us to forgive. What, what are the benefits? I guess let's kind of get in, let's get into Tom's head here. What are the benefits of forgiving when it, especially in the in the marriage relationship, well, there's all kinds of benefits. For one, you end up are going to have better mental health because of it. You're going to have a lower degree of depression. Uh, it's very likely that you're going to be more hopeful. You're going to be more motivated in your marriage. So now you're talking about some of your favorite friends. <laughs> All those Osin and Osins and what's yes. and who's it's, yes. yes. Are going to be released in your whatchamacallit. <laughs> <laughs> in your brain. And and so you're going to actually feel somewhat better. So think about when we talk about if we don't forgive, then it can lead to a closed spirit where my mind and my will and my emotions are shut down. If we don't forgive, it goes from a closed spirit into potential bitterness. And then from bitterness, it can lead into the hardened heart. And when you end up with a hardened heart, it becomes very difficult to recover from that. So that's why it's important. Paul said, keep short accounts of anger. What a great idea. So those are easier to forgive. Okay. Yeah. And then there's another big piece of this. This is where when we talk about closure at Heritage, I teach about closure. Closure is not only forgiving, but it's also healing. Closure includes both. So some people in marriage, they have to heal so that they can forgive. Others, they want to forgive so that it will facilitate healing. Now, I noticed you said forgive and heal, not forgive and forget. That's right. Because when we think about it, Dr. Dobson years ago reported research where an individual volunteered for this. He was going to have brain surgery, but apparently there are spots on the skull where there are no nerve endings. Really? Yeah, and so there's no particular pain associated with it. So this patient volunteered in the research that Dr. Dobson reported, and the uh, surgeons went in with electrodes and touched varying parts of his brain. And since he was alert, he was awake. He The patient talked about memories very vividly 
and very clear. This this patient was six years old, and he gave memories in detail when he was three and four and five years old. Wow. So it shows that we never forget. It's been said that we have our conscious mind, our subconscious mind, and our unconscious mind. That some researchers say every perception we've ever had has been recorded in our unconscious mind. Wow. It's just chemically coded with some of of your other friends. (laughs) (laughs) More who's it's and what's it's. That you can't recall them. Sometimes, you know, other researchers like Young would say it might show up in a dream, but it, then the dream doesn't make sense anyhow. So you, it's really not an accurate being able to retrieve it. So anyhow, when we look at that in terms of forgiveness, well, the forgiveness, you're not going to forget it. But here's the main key. I've said this my whole career Back in my uh, in my supervision days, when I was being supervised by my supervisor in my internship, we had a discussion once where I said, well, how do we know when the patient is healed? It kind of gave me a funny look. <laughs> 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 kind of like, you're giving me now. <laughs> and this is his answer, and I've always remembered. He said, they will be able to talk about some things. And they won't be emotional about them anymore. They won't break down in tears or be broken in their communication pattern where they have to take some time to gather themselves before they can share it. It'll show a sign of healing. Huh. Yeah. So, I mean, it's very clearly illustrated when you talk about grief counseling. When someone is grieving the loss of a loved one, there are times for a long time they're not going to be able to think about that individual and not have it come out in a way that would be emotional for them. And then the time will come when eventually they'll have very dear and important memories that it will be okay. They won't react in a way that is life-interrupting and they're emotional for days. And just today, Kathy and I were listening to Daily Hope for our devotions this morning. And Rick Warren was talking about there's not a day that goes by that he doesn't remember the loss of his son. And at times it's emotional. But life has gone on now. I mean, he, it's not as interrupted as it was for him. But he, he still is emotional about it. So that both keys are really important. We're not going to forget, but we do want to heal. Well, so what does healing look like? Well, we just mentioned Tom, it. what does healing look like? Oh, my goodness, Scott. <laughs> I got some more hooses for you. <laughs> no, it, the whole idea of the healing then in the relationship is you're not facing that progression from lack of forgiveness to the closed spirit and bitterness. That process isn't happening. You feel more intimate, more motivated in the relationship. All right, so we're going to move on to number four here. Now, this is... Uh, Let's see. Bear with each other and forgive one another. And number four, put on love. And so when we talk about that, there are actually strategies that would be helpful. As an example, Gary Chapman's five love languages is a very clear way where we can understand our marriage partner's love language and speak it. If the husbands speak German and the wives speak Spanish, the ultimate goal would be that 
the husband would learn Spanish and that the Spaniards would learn German. In other words, you're going to speak your husband's language. He's going to speak yours. But what if you speak Spanish to the Germans, but they really didn't want to understand German? So what we're really saying is you give them your love language and it's not their love language, you're going to be frustrated. Uh huh. So if gifts are one marriage partner's love language, but their marriage partner is quality time, you just bring them gifts and bring them gifts and there's not a lot of quality time going, and you're going, these gifts are really not being effective. How's come? Well, there's a good reason. <laughs> you're not speaking German to the Germans. You're speaking Spanish to the Germans, and they're going, I don't get this. Uh-huh. And maybe she wants words of affirmation, and he's giving her acts of service. How come that's not working? I, I, you know, I did the dishes, and she seemed to be half upset. Well, how's come? Because you were speaking German to the Spaniards when they really want to hear Spanish. Yeah. So that's one way you put on love. Now, over the... Over the decades, right. that Tom and Kathy have been married since that fifth that, that meeting in fifth grade in the playground. That's right. Yes. <laughs> How did you learn to put on love with Kathy? Well, you know, it was pretty easy for me. She just oh. beat it out of you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, she has a good aim too. <laughs> no. God bless her. She was wonderful and when I knew how much I loved her, I've used this term before, that I knew she was in my blood. I knew that I could not live without her. And so, you know, I shared with her that she was in my blood. I think she was encouraged that she was pretty sure this was going to head toward marriage. And so all these hundreds of years later, <laughs> she might want me to get a blood transfusion. I, no. <laughs> No, I, God bless I asked Sherry once, why'd you marry me? Okay. I, I, I like the reply, but then it also kind of, I wasn't sure. She said, because God told me to. Wow. Not because I love you dearly or you're in my blood, because God yeah. said so. And I, uh-huh. I first heard it in my head. I went, oh, so you didn't love me. You're just doing it to be obedient. Oh, interesting. That's what you heard. That's, well, kind of, in yeah. my own sarcastic little brain. You know, but she was being obedient to God by marrying me. Wow. But that also tells me that God's in our marriage. Amen. How powerful is that? Despite my failures and my mess-ups, you know, God is still in our marriage, and she is a very big part of that. Kathy showed me in so many incredible ways, and she has ever since, how much she's loved me and in so many different ways. And being there supportive, you couldn't ask for more support. It's absolutely incredible. And I'm thankful that we have this platform that I can say how much I love my wife, I care for my wife, and how much she's done for me. So we're talking about the six marriage fundamentals, according to Colossians 3, to prepare yourself for marriage, put on the new nature, to clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, to bear with each other, to put on love, I called that number four earlier, it's number five. Mm-hmm. We move to number six. We're going to get through it today. Hey, hey, how about that? Paul teaches then about marriage. This is what I find so interesting, Scott. 
of the first uh, of the 18 verses that, that he's talking about marriage, only two of them are really about the relationship. 16 of them about are being prepared to enter in. Last show we talked about this, and it's because it's so close to my heart, is that in the same way Paul talks about communion and we examine ourselves before we enter into communion, that's the same winning process. That's what grows marriage incredibly. It was when I examine myself, what kind of marriage partner am I being? This is a true story. When I met Dr. Dobson and I had time, I actually was able to talk to Shirley, his wife. And Shirley told me, and Jim is exactly at home like he is on the radio. When you hear him on his show, that's what I have at home. I'm like, wow, that is so awesome because he's examined himself and has prepared himself for marriage. I heard him talk in a podcast the other day, somewhere in the neighborhood of four plus years, Dr. Dobson and Shirley prepared themselves. They, they were good friends and then they, they began a process of preparing themselves because they knew they were going to get married. What work do you do on the inside? When you take care of yourself, what are you doing to, to prepare yourself? And now I want to say daily to be a marriage partner. And I will always, always, always be thankful that I have that with the vice president. <laughs> you threw me there. That's not where I thought you were going. All right. So Paul talks in here in these two verses, but he talks about two concepts that are often misunderstood. Right. The first one, wives submit to your husbands. Well, when you think about it, if the husband's done his work, as the first 16 verses say that he should, in preparing himself, how difficult is that going to be? I don't ever believe that submission, wives submitting to their husbands, that was meant to be taken out of context and turn it into a power struggle in marriage, where I am the king and you're not. Right. You do what I say, and believe it or not, I'm not going to mention any um, denominations, Scott. You might be close to one. <laughs> but there are some churches that I, I think they actually paint that picture, that the wives are just supposed to submit because Scripture says it. But they're supposed to submit to what the first 16 verses say. And if the husband has done his work in those first 16, the natural response of the wife will be submission. Yeah, and it'll be easy, and it'll bring them closer together. And, and the two will actually, there'll be submission going back and forth. Absolutely. I think Paul goes on to say that later in Ephesians 5, that we are to submit one to another in marriage. So it's a two-way street. Yeah, it's a mutual submission. Well, if you're going to be one, wouldn't that make sense? What's the one that's look like if it's a wife that's submitting to the husband? That doesn't float. But when we talk about submitting one to another and we have Jesus in there, we have the threefold cord that won't be quickly broken. The other part of that, the other thing he directs toward husbands then is to love your wives and do not be harsh with them. And that is so critically important, Scott, because when we look at the whole idea of don't be harsh with them, we've got to remember Gary Smalley did a great job of teaching about this in the mid-80s that our wives 
feel the exact same collision on the communication highway. They have the exact same experience and they're going to feel it three to five times greater than we are. Mm. So when you think about, well, I wasn't harsh with my wife. Well, you know, you look at her, it looks like she's in PTSD. And you're saying you didn't do anything? She's feeling what happened three to five times greater than we're perceiving it. So that's why we have, want to be gentle with them. What, what we would define as harshness is something like I, you might hear in the men's locker room at the Y. That's really harsh. But our wives would say, oh, my gosh, that's, that's an incredible trauma I just went through. That, that's a nuclear bomb that just went off. Yeah. Here's the moral of the story, I think, is that we measure the harshness not based on what the men think, but what do our wives think was harsh? Because remember, when we focus on what they think is harsh, they if it's important to us that they're telling us, they're going to feel important to us. If we embrace what they said was harsh and we correct it, they're going to feel valued. If we value it, they feel valued. And our lives get better. Our, our marriages get closer. Now, Tom, as we put a bow on this today, this is easy for us to sit here in a nice little sterile studio and say right, that. Right, In the reality of some marriages, there may be a lot of issues that need to be gone through to get these six marriage fundamentals in place and in operation and working. Right. So starting a conversation with a Christian counselor could be something of value. And how can they get with you to start that conversation? Well, Scott, I can be reached at heritagechristiancounselingministries.com. And we will continue Love Month next week. I think we're going to talk about keeping the romance alive, among other things. That's right. How to keep the fire burning. Yeah. Something like that. You sit by the fireplace. We'll get it there. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining us for the session. 